There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Look at somebody next to you say, it's not just raining men, it's raining warriors. <laughs> are y'all ready for the word today? Hey, listen, it's Labor Day weekend and we have so many harvesters that are traveling this weekend that are watching on the internet campus. And so we welcome all of them and those watching at all of our campuses today. It's going to be an awesome start to a brand new series. Somebody say, I know that's right. Listen, we've got some motorcycles. We've got some soldiers and warriors for Christ that are with us today. Hey, man. After this experience, make sure you check out. They came to be with us today all the way from Parker to, with their bikes and everything. Make sure you check them out. I'm going to try to get me a ride lesson in or something so I can figure out how to do something. Get me a provisionary license or something. I don't know. Amen. Are y'all ready for the word of God today? Let's lift our Bibles high and make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. Shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. One scripture, if you would remain standing. One scripture, if you would remain standing with me for just a moment. Somebody said, Bishop, why do we stand when we read the word so that it gets our undivided attention? We're just honoring God's word. Bishop, do I have to stand every time I read the Bible at home? No. This is what we do here. Joel chapter 3, verse 9. You got it? says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war, wake up the mighty men. Uh, now, I'm not talking about a war in Afghanistan. I'm not talking about a war in Iraq. I'm not talking about a war in Libya. I'm talking about a war going on right here in the United States of America. Bishop, what war are you talking about? The war for our families, the war, the war for our children, the war for, for our marriages. That's the war we're talking about. He says, wake up the mighty men, wake them up, that all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Father, you hear me and you always hear me. And I pray that over these next few moments, you customize, tailor make this word for your people today. 
Father, we thank you that you're raising up and waking up warriors in the name of Jesus. People that, Lord, will show up on the battlefield and do war for our families and war for our marriages and war for our children and war for everything it is that you have promised us, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're not molding us and making us into weak and passive jellyback believers, but you're molding us into bold believers that will do the things you've ordained for us to do. Father, I just wish I had a few warriors in this house with me to day and we honor you for it now in jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats tell somebody you already know the title tell them it's raining warriors it's raining warriors turn my monitors down there is a warrior and a fool inside of every man and the one that's spoken to is the one that will answer and in this series we're going to speak to and wake up that warrior somebody say warrior uh, if you're always speaking to the things that are unbecoming in people, you will always get unbecoming things from people. But if you begin to speak to the potential inside of people, you will see that potential begin to manifest in a greater way. Somebody say the warrior. Uh, now, the series invite says that the church has taught men for years how to be nice guys when we've really been called uh, to be warriors. And the truth of the matter is, is, is that doesn't mean that we have to be mean. Man, that doesn't mean that we have to be rude. Man, that doesn't mean that we have to be abrasive. Here's what a warrior is. It's a person that's skilled in combat or warfare. Here, here's what that really means for us. That means that I may not look like I'm a warrior from the outside, but if you put me in a fight, you're going to see all the warrior you need to see. You, you, you ever, you ever, I know not you because you're very spiritual, but do you know somebody that perhaps underestimated somebody else's potential because they, they didn't look like they had a war in them. They didn't look like they could fight, but man, when they mess with them, they got a whole nother thing in it. Maybe you're that person that everybody else underestimates and thinks, oh, they don't fight. They'll just roll over and take it. And all of a sudden, when you get yourself in the middle of a combative situation, all of a sudden a warrior pops out of you. The scriptures are filled with great warriors. We see men like Noah. He was a great warrior. He was obedient to God to build an ark when they had never even heard of such a thing as rain. Uh, he was obedient to God to listen to these instructions even in his uh, senior of years. But Noah had a problem. Despite uh, what the word records him as as a great warrior, Noah had a problem. His problem is he was a drunk. His problem is, is he didn't know when to put those grapes down. You see men like Moses. Moses was a great warrior in scripture. Uh, the entire Jewish faith, they accredit uh, the beliefs and the things that they hold to Moses, the author of the Torah, or Torah, the first five books in our Bible. Uh, he led the Israelites out of 430 years of bondage. But Moses had a problem too. Moses' problem was that not only did he have a speech impediment, but Moses was a murderer. Joshua. Joshua was a great warrior in scripture. Matter of fact, he's called one of the great generals in scripture because it was Joshua that led the children of Israel into the promised land. It was Joshua that was radical. It was Joshua that said, y'all aren't going to kill me like you killed Moses. Joshua said, listen, you can do whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It, 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 was, it was Joshua that was this great warrior that did not care what people thought about him, but Joshua had a problem. Joshua's problem is that his name, Joshua, the son of Nun, meant that he was the son of limitations. The word Nun in Hebrew means limitations. So even though God's called him to be a great warrior and a great general, he constantly finds himself bombarded by limitations. Anybody ever felt like Joshua, like for all the things you know God wants you to be, there seems to be all these limits that are preventing you from being that. 
Gideon was a great warrior in scripture. Matter of fact, the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. God said, Gideon, I'm going to use you to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Midianite in Judges chapter 6. I'm going to use you as one man and I'm going to use you mightily and you're going to see great exploits and great things happen in my name. And Gideon took an army of 300 men and he marched in and Gideon threw down. Does somebody say he threw down? Uh, for those of you not sure what, what a throwdown means is Gideon went in there and he handled B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. Gideon handled business. But Gideon had an issue. Gideon's issue, Gideon's issue was that he had low self-esteem and he began to say to himself, even though the Lord called him a mighty man of valor, Gideon would say to himself, but I'm the least of my family. I'm the least of my clan. So even though God saw him as something great, he didn't see himself that way. And many times it doesn't matter who believes in you. If you don't believe in what God has placed in you, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. Then you see David. David, we all love David. We sing about uh, songs that David wrote in the Psalms. David was um, the only man in Scripture that was called a man after God's own heart. You know you got to be somebody when the Scripture says you're a man after God's own heart. What is his heart? In Hebrew and Greek, it means his mind, his thoughts. David was a man after God's own mind. That's a bad man. Touch somebody and say, that's a bad man. That's a bad man. He, 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 he was a great king and he was a great warrior. But David had a problem. He had a problem with lust and every time he saw something that looked good he didn't know how to tame that but now watch this despite all of these warriors the scripture describes them as and all of their issues God thought enough of them to put them in his word so evidently that means then a warrior isn't found in his perfection but in his commitment to God and the church which helps him to conquer his imperfections I guess ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. Uh, in case you missed it, all of these guys we just talked about were church guys. They, they, they were church boys. And so then we come to the deductive logic that the best way to make warriors is the church. Bishop, why? Because Jesus got to the heart of men because he was blunt and he was honest and he was direct. I love Jesus so much because he wasn't some weirdo walking around in granola, hugging trees, talking about world peace. No, Jesus, you ought to read your Bible. The Jesus of your Bible was a bold man that would get up and he would tell somebody about themselves and then go and hug them and love them y'all not hearing what i'm saying jesus in matthew chapter 25 he's preaching and in the middle of his message he sees the pharisees and the sadducees which was the religious leaders of the day uh, from the jewish sanhedrin the jewish high council and in the middle of his message jesus stops because he was bold and honest and blunt and direct and jesus says wait a minute hey all of y'all back there y'all stand up and you know they thought oh finally we're gonna get some recognition somebody's gonna recognize us somebody's gonna see how great and how spiritual we are and you know what jesus says to them he says woe unto you you brood of vipers Amen. now imagine a message where you think you're getting ready to get encouraged and the lord himself stands you up and says woe unto you he goes on in matthew 25 and says you've made them worse than the sons of hell he says you go through all of these religious form and fashion and he says at the end of the day you make them worse than unbelievers Amen. then you know what he did he said have a seat and he finished his message now, I don't know about you, but that's a bold, blunt, in-your-face kind of a guy. It was Jesus that the woman at the well, when he went, it was Jesus that told that woman about herself and said, listen, uh, if you only knew who you were dealing with, I know all about you. I know your stuff. I know your issues. And despite your stuff and your issues, I still love you. Anybody glad that despite all of our issues, he's... 
aren't you glad he didn't demand something from you he already knows you can't deliver that's why he said his blood on Calvary because he said I know you're going to have some issues and I know you're going to have some problems but I love you anyhow baby that's love when they can still know your junk and love you Jesus, Jesus, he was, he, he attracted men. Men were attracted to Jesus. Men were attracted to Christianity. But we have a conundrum. We have a very difficult problem here because in Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism, men dominate in their participation. But that's not true for Christianity. Now, I got one question. What's up with that? What's going on with that? How is it that we serve the one true living God? Somebody said, well, Bishop, how do you know? Because I'm standing here today. I'm living, walking, talking, breathing proof that the God we serve is real and is alive. Anybody else thankful that the God you serve? I don't have to wonder if he's alive. I don't have to wonder if he's there. Man, if you knew me and you knew what I used to do and you knew, y'all not say it. I know he's real. Bishop, how do you know? Because I saw what he's done in my life. And what he's done for others, he'll do the same for you. But we've got a problem because all of these other belief systems, the men dominate except in Christianity. That's a conundrum. That's, a, that's an issue. And here's what's interesting. Here's some stats from the book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. I, I read this book several, several months ago, and it took me a while to, to digest the book. Uh, b b because I, it was it was very interesting and, and also very alarming some of the statistics here are the statistics first one is only 35% of men attend church weekly and many men see church as an event for women and children now literally what happened in American culture is that uh, as men went away to war and went away to fight uh, historically the church was left to the women and children so everything in the church began to be customized for women and children and so bulletins had flowers and, and then everybody on Easter started wearing light blue suits and all of this kind of thing everything was customized for women and children because women and children were the only thing left in times of war. So then when the men came back, the men said, wait a minute, I can't relate to this. I don't understand this, all of this dainty stuff. I can't get with this. And so the men said, I'm not going, but I'll send my wife and children because church is not a place for me. It's a place for them to go. And I believe in God. I'm just going to do it from over here. So let's correct that statistic. Church is not just a place for women and children. I'm here to tell you, church is a place for men to rise up and be who God has ordained them to be. The God we serve, we see him demonstrated in scripture as a masculine spirit. And so it's so important that we don't think church is just an event for women and children. And single ladies, when single men run into the church, stop running them away by trying to hook up with them. The name of the church is Harvest, not Hook Up. If every time I come in and I'm trying to worship the Lord and you're talking about, oh, look at his biceps. Oh, baby, thank you, Jesus. I, listen, listen, th then it sends the message that this is a place for women and children. And I can't talk about anybody else's house because God doesn't give me authority over that. But it's for me in this house. That's not how we're going to do it in here. This is not just a place for women and children. But then the second statistic, the second statistic was, was unique because it says many men practice the religion of masculinity and reject anything that calls their masculinity into question. And men, that's true. We do. We practice masculinity. Everything we do is about demonstrating our masculinity. And that's cool. That's who we are. That's who we're made to be. And the reality is many men don't desire to fall in love with another man, even if his name is Jesus. 
That's why it explains why it's sometimes hard, men, for us to worship because we're trying to reconcile our masculinity with the concept of being in love with this man. And so we're trying to reconcile, well, how does this work? And it's different because, well, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. And so we got all these questions, but men, we have to see God as what he is. He is the loving father that you could have always wanted, which means if you had a great father, Jesus, and God, our God is a better father. And if you didn't have a father, then Jesus is the greatest father. Which means I have to see him as the great I am. Which means whatever I need in that moment, he is. So so if I need a brother right now, he's my brother. If I need a mama right now, he's my mother. If I need a father right now, he's my father. If I need a counselor, he's my counselor. If I need a therapist, he is my therapy. Being in church does not make you less of a man. It doesn't, in the words of the governor, make you a girly man. It expands your manhood. The source of the warrior on the inside of us is the God that we serve. Then it goes on to say, and I believe this, it goes on to say that men are drawn to Christians with guts. And, 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 and I believe that men, we're, God, we're drawn to people that just tell it like a T.I. is, aren't we? Because, man, that's really kind of how we are. We just kind of say stuff. And sometimes, man, you know, your wives sometimes will try to pull you back in because you just, you just having guts. You're just saying it like it is. And you're like, wait a minute, sweetie, don't say it like that. You might offend somebody. And you look over there, what are you talking about? I don't know. And that's why I believe men are drawn to harvest and to me as their pastor. Because if you've been here for any amount of time, you'll know that I'll say some stuff, won't I? I, I and you'll have to look at your neighbor and say, did he just say that in church? Absolutely I did. Because the God we serve is a warrior. The God we serve is a man of valor. The God we serve does not call us to back down, but to step up. And so I'll dare us sit and try to be cute and dainty and all of that when the God we serve demands some intestinal fortitude from us. The beauty of God is, is, is that both masculinity and femininity can both coexist and thrive within God. Isn't that awesome? That, that he's not so domineering that he's not caring, but he's not so caring that he allows you to stay in your mess. Because when there's an atmosphere of challenge versus comfort, you will begin to see men rise up in warriors. And, 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 and men, we know that we like challenge versus comfort because of some of the things we do. We go camping. Now, camping, there's nothing comfortable about camping. No, I'm just saying, there's no real toilets. Okay. Now, maybe that's not a big issue for you. <laughs> I just have been come accustomed to some things, you know what I mean? We, we, when we cook, when we're camping, when we cook, remember last time I was camping, I, I went out there, no, you know, I had on white jeans. I know, I know. Somebody should have told me something. No, somebody should have said, you know, I didn't know. You know, I was green at camp and I didn't know. I just said what well, he's working with what I got caught on, you know. And then we started cooking. And then I said, well, what are we cooking? You know, what are we going to eat? And, you know, they took out that little thing, the, the, you know, and, 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 and pulled the fire. And I don't know what you call the thing that goes over the fire that hangs the pot and stuff. I said, so we're going to have some beans. <laughs> In the 21st century, we're going to eat some beans. I mean, we, 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 we do things that, that challenge us, that don't give us comfort. Man, we go hunting. 
you'll stalk an animal for hours to shoot it dead. <laughs> There's no comfort in that. Running around in the sticks and getting all cut up. No, that's not comfort. But we like it because it's a challenge. Single ladies, you'll learn something if you understand the benefits of a challenge. Anything that we can conquer easily, we're not interested in that long. Uh, we fish, men. We fish. We fish. We fish. We fish. We fish. We go. Uh, where I'm from in the country, in the south, we, when, when we go fishing, we'd fish, but we'd fish in some of the dirtiest water you'd ever see. I mean, you, it, it just the water, it wasn't no blue. You know, that's when people, you know, do a picture and they put the water. No, 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 no. Water we fished in was brown. And we'd fish for things like catfish, these slimy bottom feeding. But we like it, man, because it's a challenge. I know, I know in Denver, we, we are a very urban, sophisticated, intellectual culture. Where I'm from, we fish. But here's one that will get us all. We work out, man. We work out. And, 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 and when we work out, we like a challenge, right? So, so, so rather than doing uh, more reps and less weight for definition, no, 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 we don't like that because that's easy. We want a challenge. We want way too much weight, a few reps, so that we can feel a challenge, right? And so we're, you know, we're grunting and pushing and all of this, trying to get these couple of reps out. And then don't let us do it at the gym because if we do it at the gym, we make a lot of noise. So all the rest of the fellas get in. Man, he really working out. He really working out. But we like a challenge. We need a challenge. God created us to be challenged. One of our first assignments that God ever gave us to Adam, what did he say? He said, Adam, here are all the animals, millions of them. Millions of them at that time. And he says, here's your challenge. Name them all. That's a challenge, man. Because you know, you, 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 man, you know how we are. You know that's a lot for us to be focusing on in one amount of time. So by the time he got to about the 10th or 15th animal, he's okay, now what is your name again? I but we like challenge. We're, 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 you know, we, we like challenge. We desire to be challenged. And when there's not an atmosphere of challenge, what it does is it doesn't make us feel like we get to be masculine. But then the third statistic was perhaps the most startling of the statistics. It said, out of the 90% of men that believe in God, only one-third of men attend church. This statistic suggests that some men are into God but not into church. And the problem is you cannot separate the two. The body of Christ is the church. God is what he believes in. God and his church are one. That's why in Matthew 6.33 the scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He did not say, Seek me. He said, Seek what was important to me. Because when I seek what's important to him, by default, I am seeking him. So you cannot separate God and his church. I cannot be for God and, and not be for his church at the same time. You cannot separate the two. That's like separating Batman and Robin. What would Adam West do without Robin? Who's going to do all the menial stuff? You cannot separate Ben from Jerry. There's no chunky monkey. It's just chunky. You cannot separate black from Decker. You cannot separate Hagen from Das. 
You cannot separate God from his church. They are one in the same. And we believe that this statistic can change and that it must change. And we don't want to see drips or drops. We want it to rain, not just men, but warriors. Somebody shout warriors. Now, men, men, we like to feel needed. We, 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 we love to feel, we love to feel needed. Uh, and that's why I said this in the other experience. That's why if, if you're one of these women that, you know, you're an independent woman and you don't need a man and all that, that may explain why you don't have one. Because we, we need to feel needed. You understand? And so I can change my own flat tire. That's great. Don't tell me that. We need to feel needed. We thrive in feeling needed and when you take away our ability to be needed what you do is you rob us of our masculinity you rob us of our ability to solve problems and that's what we thrive on there's nothing worse than a woman that will smother the masculinity of a man out of her desire to be so independent that she removes the necessity for him and in removing the necessity for him he feels like there's nothing he brings to the table and so now wonder he doesn't bring anything to the table because you've taken away his ability to bring something to the table you don't have to say, hey, man, I'm right about it before you got here. Men, we desire to feel needed. So, so let's set the states. Men, let's just the church needs you. And you need the church. Got it? Serving Jesus and commitments to his church will cost three things. And I'm through. It will cost three things in your life. Number one, you will become a better husband. Uh, we see Peter, we see Peter, who was perhaps one of the only married uh, disciples that became apostles because we see Jesus interact with uh, his wife's family. And so we see uh, in the scriptures that some of the disciples uh, were married. We see Peter. And when we see Peter, you never see Peter's wife complaining about how much he was around Jesus. And it amazes me today that sometimes women can be so selfish with their husbands that they don't understand that it is those things that we're doing when we're around Jesus. It's those things that we're doing when we're at the church that it's those things that make us better husbands. You never see, you never see, you never see Peter's wife complaining. Y'all got another crusade? Y'all got another healing conference? But, but you got some, no, you never see that because she understood that commitment to Jesus and to his church was not going to only make Peter better for her, but it was going to make Peter better to her. Yeah. Bishop, how do you know? Because it's later on in the books of Peter that we see Peter as an expert about marriage. Peter admonishes the men and he says to the men, he says, men, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. Well, who do you think taught him that? Certainly not the rabbis, certainly not the Pharisees and Sadducees. It was Jesus. It was being around the church that taught him, I've got to honor my wife as the weaker vessel. Why? Because I don't want my prayers to be hindered. Where did he get that? The church. Man, our commitment to God and his church will make us better husbands. It'll make us understand, it'll make us understand women better. Amen. Some of the issues we, we have with women is because we don't think the same. We're not supposed to think the same. Because if he just don't understand, and what's your problem? We're not, we're not supposed to. We're, we're differently. But what we have to do then, what we have to do is take the principles of the word of God and then we have to apply them so that even though I don't completely understand what you're saying, I still honor you as the weaker vessel. So what I'm going to do then is I'm going to meet you here and then you're going to meet me there and we're going to meet each other here. And then what we're going to do is we're not going to let these little things become big mountains in our marriage. 
We're not going to let these little small items be mountains in our marriage because I'm in order. And since I'm in order with God, that means you in order with me. And that means the kids are in order with us. And that means everything is well in the world. Because God can't dwell in environments of disorder. God cannot do anything in environments of disorder. That's why in Genesis, when he came down and he saw that there was darkness covering the face of the deep. What is darkness? It is the absence of the knowledge of God, which means it's disorder. What's the first thing he did? Let there be light. And he was not talking about the sun, the moon, the rain, the stars, because those things were not created until later on in the chapter. He was saying, let there be order. Let there be me, God was saying. Because God says, until there's order here, there's nothing I can do. But then the second thing, men, that happens when we're committed to God and his church, can't separate the two, is that we become better fathers or male role models. Because maybe you don't have children, but there's somebody that looks to you. There's somebody that you are a role model for. And our commitment to Jesus and his church will cause us to be better fathers and role models. I can't think of any man that says, you know, I just want to be a deadbeat dad. I can't think of any man that just says, you know what, I just want to get the most horrible father of the year award. That's what I'm shooting for. No, we all want to be better at what we do. That's our nature. That's why we have that thing called being competitive. It's our nature to be better. It's our nature to get stronger. That's who we're made to be. That's who God created us to be. And it's in church. It's in church where not only did you get to learn leadership, but you learn something more important called fellowship. Because the greatest leaders understand that the greatest leaders must be great followers. Because until you learn how to be a good follower, you will never be a great leader. Because a person that aspires for leadership without followership is a person that aspires for vanity. So the best leaders understand, listen, I understand if I learn how to follow, I'll know how to lead. Because I'll know then how to lead the way I want to be led. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will make me stronger. Commitment to God and his church. That's what we saw. We saw Jesus take 12 dusty road men and they changed the world. And one of them was the devil. That's a pretty bad numbers, right? You got 12. One of them's the devil. Peter was a thug. Thomas was a doubter. Rest of them are just crazy. (laughs) But Jesus took those 12 men and those 12 men changed the world. We're still reading and talking about what they did 2,000 years ago today, despite their imperfections, despite their issues. Why? Because they were warriors. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And third, men, third thing, the, the thing that commitment to Jesus and his church does is it makes us a better warrior. Makes us a better warrior. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, uh, as uh, iron sharpens iron, so the countenance of one man sharpens his friend. Check this out. Men can only become greater men when they are exposed to greater men. Say it again. Men can only become greater men when we're exposed to greater men. Notice what the scripture does not say. It does not say aluminum sharpens iron. It doesn't say silver sharpens iron. No, it says iron sharpens iron. Check out the parallelism. A man sharpens what, 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 what are you doing when you're sharpening something? You want to make it a more effective tool so when it goes to cut the first time, it works. Which means we stop living life by experimentation and start living life by destination. We stop living life by trying this out and trying that out, but we begin to live life according to the word of God, which means I can dramatically reduce my mistake to victory ratio. When I understand that it is iron that sharpens iron. 
a warrior that sharpens a warrior. And man, this is why it's so, it, it becomes sometimes so difficult for us to relate to one another. And, 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 and we say things like fellowship. And the ladies, they get it. Hey, But then, man, when we talk about it, hey, how you doing? All right. It's kind of like, okay, anything else? No, I think I'm going to go to the next brother over here. I think I've covered all of the preliminary things I need to talk about with you. Why? Why why would we have those issues, man? We'd have those issues because the enemy knows. The enemy knows that only another man can sharpen you to become a better man. And so if you're going to be a better warrior, what does a warrior do? I already told you it's a man skilled in combat and warfare. If you're going to fight for your marriage and fight for your family and fight for your children and fight for those things that God has ordained for you, I'm here to tell you, I wish that God took away all of the battles once we came to him. The truth is, is he does not. He leaves all of the giants in our promised land. When the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, they discovered that all of the giants were there. But so what are you trying to say? If you got some battles in your life, can I tell you something? It doesn't mean you're going the wrong direction. If you've got some big battles in your life, it means you're in the right place at the right time. Because that giant is evidence that you are in your... I wish there were some warriors in the place. Anybody say, Bishop, I'm going through some stuff. I got some battles I'm fighting. But thank God that I know that I'm in my promised land. I'm not far away from it, baby. I'm in it. It is then, and I'm through, it is then that church is a place for us to use our masculinity. Place for us to use our courage. All the humility police officers, you are off duty. You, you know humility police officers that they want to make sure everybody's being humble. But them. And they're quick to say, well, you know, the way you took credit for that, I don't, you know, you just need to be humble. Well, the problem is you making yourself the director of the Humility Police Department makes you full of pride. Got it? You, you see Humility Police officers, you'll see if a man maybe maybe corrects one of the children and says, well, wait a minute, don't do it like that. And the Humility Police will come in. Well, why'd they say it like that to my child? Well, because evidently you weren't going to say anything to him. So <laughs> There's nothing wrong with masculinity. And femininity coexisting in the same place called the church. And and let me be clear. Let let me be clear. Courage is not limited to men, but it's something that men that that we obviously thrive on. In church, men, we get to use courage. You know, the truth is, men, is that inside of all of us, and and probably some women too, probably got some wonder women in here too, uh, is that we all want to be a superhero. We do. We do. He said, Bishop, oh, I don't want to be a superhero. And don't quote some scripture at me. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away my Batman action figures. <laughs> On the inside, men, all of us want to be superheroes. Why? Because we want to be something greater than what we've seen. We want to be superheroes. That's evident in the movies we watch. We don't want to watch Sleepless in Seattle. You're like, well, well you know. Take some Benadryl. Go to sleep. What's the problem? We don't want to watch You've Got Mail. Go check your mail. Why are you still? <laughs> check it. If you check it, it'll stop being there. <laughs> we want to watch action movies. We want to watch movies where people are fighting and guns are blazing and people are dying, but one man comes up out of the rubble and shoots everybody. And get... We want to watch. That's what we watch. Don't look at me. 
me with that tone of voice. That's what we watch. <laughs> That's what we want to watch. We, 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 we don't want to watch, oh, oh, what a beautiful ending. We want to watch how to twist the toe up everybody, and they almost didn't make their life. And had they not ran and put their belt around that thing and that farm, they would have been dead. That's what we want to watch. Twister. We want to watch Terminator. We, we, want to, we want to see some stuff blow up. But now, but now what? Now, these are generalizations. I know, again, we live in a sophisticated, matriarchal, dominated society. And I know that, that we watch a little everything now. But generally speaking, man, we, we, we like stuff like that. Why? Because we like to see people beat incredible odds. You like, to see, you like to see Batman have 45 people around him and just him and some gadgets on the belt. And yet, he's the only one standing after all of that. That's what we want to see because that's how we feel sometimes. We feel like we're the only one standing and we got all of these things. That's how we feel sometimes. You hear what I'm saying? Inside of us, there's this desire to be that. You see it in the movies we watch. You see it in the things that we're attracted to. You, you, you see it in the places we go. We see, you see it in the things that we do. Many of you that are Bronco fans, you... you as they began to deteriorate, you became even more serious a Bronco fan. Why? Because now you want them to beat the odds. You want them to silence the critics. You want them to shut up every radio talk show. You want them to throw down. That's how I feel about my Titans. The worse they do, the more diehard I get. I like the Broncos too. I mean, yeah, right, you know. Nobody's perfect. So, but anyway, so... We want to be able to overcome incredible odds. There's a superhero man, on, the, on the inside of us. And what better place than the church Amen. to use that desire to save the world against incredible odds? Because we got a war going on out there. That's trying to take our children and trying to take our families and trying to destroy our marriages. We got a war going on and God is saying, I need some warriors. I need some, I need some men that don't mind getting dirty. I need some men that don't mind fighting. I need some men that don't mind getting next to another brother and saying, I got your back. I got, man, I've been there. I hurt like that too. I've been through something too, but I'm going to walk with you. Let's walk through this together. You can't give up now. You can't throw in the towel now. You've got to be a warrior stand on your feet with me to those who visit mickey d's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee give this mickey d's brew a second chance the glow up was real try any size iced coffee brewed with 100 arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m and pair it with a savory sausage mcmuffin with egg for 279 Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. 
When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.